0: Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Um, but man, I'm I'm pumped about this morning's message. We're gonna we're gonna wade in the weeds a little bit. We're gonna talk about original sin. We're gonna talk about some concepts maybe that uh, not they're not new, uh, and I often caution you if I ever say I have something new for you, run. Uh, it's definitely not new, um, but maybe a different perspective, maybe you'll hear it from uh, a different angle, so to speak. And uh, there's, there's a lot like, look, if, if you ever want to dive deeper, I can always recommend more books for you, um, and kind of, I'm just really just scratching the surface in some of these concepts, but uh, you'll this morning, if there's ever one, you'll be like, there's more to that. And if you have that thought, uh, I'd be more than willing to send you a few books to read on the topic. But um, we're going to talk about original sin this morning because that's what's in uh, in the text. And if you're new to Bethlehem, I know that we have some first timers here. Uh, and if it is your first time, make sure you scan one of those plaques on your way out and and because I know you came in after, but there's little plaques, like there's one back there. Uh, there's one on the screen, uh, but register and we'll send you a free gift um, tomorrow, a free cup of coffee. Um, but uh, what we do here at Bethlehem is we preach through the text. So we pick a book. And, um, wherever kind of the Lord leads me in that where, you know, we have 66 books to pick from and maybe we'll choose the Apocrypha one of these times or the book of Enoch. Why not? Uh, just kidding. Chill out. Even though the book of Enoch would be really good. Um, but, uh, we pick a book and then we just preach straight through it. So today the passage of scripture is Romans chapter five, verses 12 through 21. And, uh, last week we talked about the benefits of your justification. Uh, so if you're getting to the point where you're like, man, this is a little bit much, it's a little heavy, it's okay. Everybody feels that way when you go through Romans. Romans is thick, it's meaty, uh, there's so many uh, good, deep theological truths. And it's the why, it's really the why, it's the heart behind the gospel. And so we're going to see, good morning, we're going to see all kinds of uh, of the why as we walk through this text. Mm. I'm going I'm to take one more of those, that was really good, amen. Oh yeah, good stuff. How was the coffee today? Was it good? Can I acquire as to your comfort? Wow, we got some mixed emotions on that. Don't The decaf is dangerous. Don't get the decaf, it's tough. Uh, but uh, how many are cold? How many are hot? How many are just right? All right, all right, they win. We have to do absolutely nothing. This is amazing. Oh, uh, this is good. Oh, we're, we're going through a, a marriage, not marriage, I should stop saying that. We're going through a relationship series on Wednesday nights. Um, so last week I had, I got some feedback that was like, man, we got completely lost in the sauce. Uh, so this week we're going to go over, uh, self-centeredness and selfishness again. Uh, I think it's funny that the week that you got lost in the sauce was on selfishness, just saying, but, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but it is, it's a tough topic. And honestly, you're going to see some correlations, which is interesting, between today's message and some of those things that we said Wednesday night uh, because it, it's about original sin. Look, if we don't understand uh, why we act the way that we act, when someone confronts us with it, we have no basis. We have no foundation to go back to and make a change, make an adjustment. And so when we see what we are from the text uh, and, and we can receive that, it makes it, it's like understanding Uh, I've said this frequently, I'm not a mechanic, right? So if your car breaks, don't come see me. I'm coming to see you if my car breaks, um, or I'm just taking it to the dealership, right? Uh, Because I don't understand how it works. Well, many I I find that many, because we don't do the soul searching and and the effort on our spiritual lives, this book has the answer, but because we don't dig in when we have a relational, spiritual, emotional issue, uh, and we don't have a good foundation, um, then that causes problems. So these these things that we're diving into, I understand that they're deep, um, but don't don't shut it off. Keep going. Keep searching. If it doesn't make sense today, maybe it'll click down the road. Maybe there's, Paul's going to hit this thing from so many different angles. Um, so just, just hang in there with it. It's important. Last week we talked about the benefits, the benefits of our justification. So um, therefore, if you look at, we'll review a little bit, but look at Romans chapter 5 if you have your Bibles open. But look at verse number 1. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith. So he gave uh, some things that because you have declared your loyalty to Jesus, because you have put your faith and trust in him, you have, if you look at the next few few verses, you have peace. You have obtained peace. You have uh, obtained access. Um, you have uh, a a context to endure affliction or go through sufferings. Why is that? Because your sufferings build endurance. Uh, your endurance builds character. Your character builds hope. So last week we talked about uh, when we walk through hard times, we we can process those things as Christians, uh, as believers. Why? Because um, we have been justified. By grace through faith. And so um, now he's going to dive into that a little bit more. Why is that? Why did we need justification? Why did we need Jesus to do what he did? Has anybody ever wondered? Uh, Why did he come? Why did he have to die? Um, Well, today we'll answer that question. And I know we've been hitting it like Romans chapter three, it's like, there's no unrighteous, and uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And uh, I think we, we, we receive that from time to time, but our, our culture today really struggles with this. We struggle with receiving the word that we're not good and that we're not perfect. And, and you're like, well, I don't think I'm perfect, but it's that but, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, our butts always get us in trouble, don't they? But um, it, it's one of those things that it's like, look, I know it's gonna be a rough morning. You guys are tired. I'm digging into theology. Maybe we should just take a break, go to the bake sale table, let everybody get a snack and come back. Is everybody good? With it? No, I'm kidding. Uh, please. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, it was just one of those mornings, wasn't it, that you just wanted to stay in bed? Was it one of those? It was for me. I was up too late. Who was up past midnight? All right. Who was up past one? Man, I'm with you guys. I'm with you guys. Who was up past 1.30? Man, you still win. Who was up past two? Three? Everybody went to bed by three o'clock. All right, good. Okay. My, my goodness, this is hilarious. Anyway, so wherever you're coming from, uh you know the Lord's gonna give us grace in this moment. Uh but we're we're not inherently good. We're inherently bad. And when you think I'm picking on you, but I'm not, it's it's theology. It's doctrine. It's what the scripture says. Look, we believe the Bible. We believe God's word. And so if we believe and receive God's word, then we'll believe and receive the fact that all those Facebook posts and those Instagrams that are just trying to encourage you and tell you that you're an amazing, good person, they're lying to you. (laughs) Uh, Come to church and get encouragement. Come to church. I'm just going to tell you you're horrible. No, Uh, I won't stay there. It doesn't stay there, but it's it's a truth that has to be realized, right? We need understand this, you need a context for receiving compliments. You need a context for receiving someone telling you that you did a good job. Well, what is that? Well, if you think that it's you and it's all you and it started with you, originated with you and you're God's gift to everything, how many, has anybody ever met anybody like that? Okay. All right. It happens, right? And we tend to slip in and out of that. And thank God for people like my wife in our lives who, you know, who she tells me when I'm getting like that, you know, uh, Thank the Lord for people that love us that are around us, that the Lord puts in our lives. But my point is, is we need a foundation of this. And so today's gonna explain that. And then we're gonna, we're gonna get into some weird, nuanced creation stuff because it talks about original sin. So just buckle up, it's gonna be good. Romans chapter five, verse 12. Let's read through verse 21. I'm really thirsty this morning, so I apologize. We'll let that be it. Therefore, just as sin... Entered the world through one man, and death through sin. In this way, death spread to all people because all have sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression, he is a type of the coming one. You see how that's capitalized? That's referring to Jesus. Interesting enough, right? Strange how he's talking about someone, how sin and death got here, and then he's a type of Christ. Um, There'll be a little bit of math theology this morning. Um, Yeah, I'm going to give some opinion around that point in particular. But um, verse 15, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if by one man's trespass the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man Jesus Christ overflowed to many? And that's the tie from the coming one to Jesus Christ. He gives it away, right? And the gift is not like the one man's sin because from the one man's sin came judgment resulting in condemnation. But from many trespasses came the gift. And Paul uses that word a lot in Romans but it came the gift resulting in justification so we're linked to what we discussed last week if by the one's if by the one man's trespass death reigned through that one man who's that one man's trespass death reigned who's he talking about adam that's right so if by one man's trespass death reigned through that one man how much more praise the lord Will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So then, as through one trespass there is condemnation for everyone, so also through one righteous act there is justification, leading to life for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so also through one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass. Remember, even though the law wasn't present, in other words, the Torah, the the list of things that a Torah-abiding Jew keeps, dietary, all of those things, right? Before Moses, death still reigned. So the point Paul is making is, even though the law wasn't there, guess what? Sin was still there. People died. You feel me? Because people died, We already established in verse number 12 that sin brought about what? Death. Death wouldn't be here if sin wasn't here, but because sin is here, death is here. Does everybody see that? The law multiplies the sin. Why is that? Because a law is a list of things that you're supposed to do. And when we compare ourselves with a list of good things called the law, guess what? We see as a measuring stick that we fall short. That's what Paul is saying. When the law became present, we then were able to see that we don't measure up. Before the law, we were just like, eh, the only real manifestation is we're dying. (laughs) But regardless, and and here's the, if if you've been with me on this series the whole time, you get the implication. Well, what's, what's the implication? The implication is before the law was there, sin was there, death was there, the problem was there. And remember, this is a congregation of Torah abiding what? Jews and non Torah abiding Gentiles. So, Torah abiding Jews that think they're better than, that are pushing the non Torah abiding Gentiles Gentiles, to get circumcised and to follow the law, Paul is saying before the law even was here, there was a problem. So, don't think that the law is the fix to your problem because it was a problem before and it's going to be a problem what? After. That's what he's saying. Verse number 20. The law came along to multiply the transgression, to reveal, to show. I love this verse. Don't miss this. But where sin multiplied, grace multiplied even what? More. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So we have hope, we have have so much grace that's from the Lord, but I want to pull back the curtain. I want you to see Paul knows his Old Testament. We take for granted some of the things he's pulling from uh, and understanding in his context, and we just kind of like gloss over it, if you will. So I want to slow this down. I just have a few truths. Uh, I don't really have like, sometimes there's messages that I preach where the end is like, follow Jesus. Look, If you're watching online or you're here and you've never declared your loyalty to Jesus, you should follow Jesus today. You should give him your life. It'll be the best decision you ever made. But today's sermon is not necessarily a call to action at the end. It's more of a revelation of truths, okay? Next week will be more of a call to action when we get into chapter six. Um, But I, I just, I feel like, how many feel like you could understand original sin a little bit better? Anybody? You feel like there's more to learn in that? You guys got it on lockdown. All right, let's pray and go home. <laughs> You're all like, no, nah, I'm good, shoot. Uh, but it, we, we can, there's there's some things for us to learn here, okay? So let's go back. Let's take a journey uh, back in time, and let's go back to the Torah. Let's go back to Genesis, the first book of the Bible, where man was introduced. Man came on the scene, and where this original sin happened. Let's go to Genesis Chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. I think I'm diabetic or something, babe. We think? Just like keep sucking this water down. <laughs> all right. You're um, like, oh my goodness, WebMD real quick. <laughs> Chill, it's all right. As I faint, pass out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Look at Genesis two fifteen. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden. Some, I'm gonna, once again, I'm gonna say some things this morning that you're gonna be like, uh, it's okay, relax. Take a deep breath. He took man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. The Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge, of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly what? Okay, Romans 5.12. I'm going to quote it in King James because that's why I know it in. But wherefore is by one man, this guy that we're talking about, Adam, sin, wherefore is by one man, sin entered into the world. And death by what? Sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. So this introduction, the Lord warned before it ever happened. He's like, death is going to come if you do this thing. Does everybody see that? Right? So, this is what Paul is. See what? This is what Paul's talking about. Um, so, uh, a couple things here. When we, when we talk about the Garden of Eden, once again, I think we, uh, you know, we look through the lens of 2022 or whenever you were born, right? But you have to consider how these folks, how would the Jews, how would the, in the ancient Near East, in, in this day and age, when they received the Torah, when the Lord gave it to them, remember they had just came out of where? Egypt. They just came out of Egypt. That's their filter. That's their view. They they understood that the sun god Ra and and the the uh, polytheism, all of the gods of Egypt, and the way that they sometimes we put our 2022 evangelical stamp on, on how we think that they understood it back then by how we understand it, by how we were taught. And we were taught with a little picture Bible that shows a snake talking to Eve and she was taught It's a snake. Is anybody that's weird? Am I the only one? We just accept that. We read it to our children and we're like, she was talking to a snake. And they just look at you like, oh, okay. Has anyone thought about that? I mean, am I I the only one? But this is how we read the Bible to our children. We're just like, look, if you don't have a river in your life, you need a river in your life. My daughter, she calls out stuff that is garbage from the get. She's like, that's dumb. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) Sweetheart, it's the Bible. Don't say that. (laughs) No, she's like, no, dad, that's dumb. Like, she, she has no you know, no filter and no concept for foolishness. And if you tell her, why don't you just take a walk out in the woods and go talk to a snake? She's going to be like, yeah, whatever. She's going to know that you're trying to get rid of her. Do Sometimes we look at the Bible and we're like, this is what it says, we believe it. Okay, I get that. There's an element of that, but it's also our duty to study and understand. I mean, Paul says, study to show the self-approved in God. A workman needed not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing. So, if, per se, that a law Torah-abiding Jew, when they read this, that they understood or saw it a little differently than we do, and she was just talking to a snake, a snake, a slithery, slithery snake, anyway. But if, <laughs> that was like an old YouTube video, wasn't it? It just, like, came from nowhere. <laughs> Please don't judge me by whatever's in that video. I don't remember. I only remember the part where it's like, a slithery snake, anyway. <laughs> If you're visiting, I'm sorry. This is the normal. It is weird. I am strange. No. Uh, has, who has seen the new Doctor Strange movie? Anybody? I'm going to spoil it right now. Just kidding. I won't. Who has not seen it? Oh, man. Shame on all of you. Last Sunday night, I called Cody. I was like, let's go, bro. <laughs> Sundays are like, you know, game day. But it was like a 1050 showing at White Marsh. And we went. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. I love the multiverse. But anyway. Uh, And they think we're crazy. The Bible is like similar to this Marvel stuff. But anyway, back to the snake part, right? So you can't just say she was talking to a snake. You have to like understand that there's more going on than that. So the same with the Garden of Eden. When they read garden imagery, garden language, mountain language going up into the mountain, a garden prepared, all of that is what we call temple imagery in the ancient Near East. So when they hear garden, and God's talking about a garden that he created, what they're saying is, this is God's cosmic temple, God's dwelling place. When they hear garden, that's the place where the gods hang out. They hang out in gardens, in pretty places, places that we don't go, peasantry, Right? So they think gods dwell in high places and in gardens. There's abundance, there's growth. And so what, what God does, Yahweh, and, and remember in Hebrew when it says the Lord, there's a difference between uh, the Lord, his name, Yahweh, and all the other gods, uh, in the Egyptian culture, they believed they had gods, right? They're magicians, uh, even when Moses, when they were being freed from Egypt, they had snakes to, to turn, uh, staffs to turn into snakes, remember? But when Moses' staff turned into a snake, it what? It ate the other ones. We know, look, church, there are other spiritual beings in this world. There are other, uh, Paul puts it this way, there's principalities and powers and rulers in the darkness of this world. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, taking you the armor of God. We have got to get out of our little strange evangelical mindset that it's like God and just us, and there's some angels. Like there are forces of darkness, and and these forces have been working and moving, and, and the Lord from the beginning has declared that He is more powerful than them all. But but make no mistake, they're there. They're real. And so when God creates Eden, what He does—if you think about this—and this, here's what we do—it's a mistake. Man, it's 11:50. Oof, I'm gonna, this is gonna might take two weeks. The we think Genesis, we think creation. We here's what we think: we think this is the origin of material. It was made in six days, and everything is a young Earth, and that, I mean that's where I come from, right? Of like young Earth creation, and the Earth's only six thousand years because of the genealogies and their ages. It's such a simpleton way to view this. It's not as much about the origin of materials, watch this, as Genesis is the origin of function. The Lord is not concerned uh, in, in making a science textbook. The Lord wasn't telling them things that were far beyond who they were so that in 2022, we would find God's word and we would go, oh my goodness, look at all those cool scientific facts are true that they couldn't understand. No, he came to them in their time, in their ways and revealed himself to them. So it's our duty to go back to where they were and say, what did this mean to who? To them. Does that make sense? Y'all are like, "Uh uh-uh, you lost me when I said cosmic temple. Right? (laughs) What God is doing in Genesis is He is revealing the origin of functions. And here's what I mean by that. The Lord is saying, I've created a temple called Eden. I'm dwelling in that place and I want you to dwell with me. When man walked in the cool of the day, this wasn't just the earth, the earth was God's temple. It was God's dwelling place. It was where, I think the effects are on. Might want to. Take those off back there. But uh, I think I hear that echo, echo, echo. It's like for effect here, everything. But uh, understand that what God is saying is I've created earth and I've created a garden, temple imagery. I've created a place where you can worship me and we can commune together. We were different. Humans were different than the other spiritual beings. Do you know, do you know that? You were made in God's what? Yeah. This is a thing, right? And so more than just looking back at the story going, okay, we were in a garden. There was a snake, a slithery snake. Talked to Eve. She ate the fruit, and here we are in the mess that we're in. Oh, my gosh. No. No, no, no. We were in God's temple. God's garden was his dwelling place, and we communed with God. Every other uh, religion, every other nation, like the one they came out of, the gods were in untouchable places. The gods in their temples and their mountaintops never communed, and and people, peasantry, sacrificed what? To the gods so that they could uh, receive water, receive nourishment from the Nile. They would throw things in, but i know, oh man, I'm getting chills. But Yahweh did not have separation. Yahweh created and brought humankind into his garden, into his temple, into fellowship where they could walk and talk. There was no separation. He said, you're my image bearers. You understand what my community is here in this garden. Mind blown. That's Genesis. It's an origin of functions. Stop stripping it Away, because you're, you're trying to dissect scientific facts. That's far, it's far beyond that. Do you see it? And so when we dwell in God's temple, in God's place, this is why original sin is so important. This, this relationship, this temple was broken apart. It wasn't just the garden. It's the fact that God's in God's temple, was not just the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but there was also the tree of life. So when man chose to sin, and, and look, God was clear with this from the beginning. He said, listen, if you eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil, think about that, right? If you eat of it, you will what? You'll die. God was clear with them. It wasn't something he was hiding. He was saying, this is something that I, as God, should what? Should control. This is something, of, and, and the... <sighs> Atheists and people like that just don't, you know what I mean? They're looking for something. Oh, yeah, God didn't want you to know. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. Okay, that's why God said death right there in the beginning. He wasn't hiding anything. It's all out in the open. And then there's also a tree of life. In other words, if you stay in my presence, guess what? There's no end to this. Man. When we decide to add things to our job description that were always intended to be a part of God's job description we screw up. There are things right now in your life that you've made a part of your job description, aka worrying, aka trying to make provision. And listen to me, God's got those things under control. We're still walking to the forbidden fruit and saying, I want control. I want to know. And God says, you still haven't figured out just to be in my cosmic temple. You still haven't figured out how to just dwell with me. And let me be the supreme being, and you bear my image. See how this whole thing's unraveling? Okay, let's keep going. Hold, don't hold your breath, okay? You guys are like... <laughs> I'm about to go to the spot about the snake. Y'all, are, y'all have been bent out of shape since I said it wasn't a snake. You've been like... Remember the deacon in the back with the zipper and the... Remember that joke? <laughs> That's what's going on right now. Y'all are mad I'm picking on the snake. Ah. Oh. Good coffee today. A little burnt, but good. We'll we'll deal with it now. Just kidding. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) Yahweh places man in the garden. Some of these things are things y'all need to receive this morning, okay? Things you need to under... Look, if you're coming to church here, like, we're not going to just be okay with taking the children's version of the story and living in our ignorance, okay? We're digging in, and this is going to be meaningful, Uh, The Lord placed man in the garden. In the context of the ancient world, gardens, mountains were places where God's dwelt. We were in his presence. We see the Lord giving parameters, good and evil, so on and so forth. Go to Genesis chapter three, just a few verses later, one through seven. Now watch the way this, this unfolds. Genesis three, one through seven, it says this. Now the serpent was more cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat, and look, I'll, I'll try to refrain from my, my women jokes here, but it's so easy to do. The, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat of it, touch it, or you die. Good job, Eve. She's like, uh-uh, I know the rules. And then, uh, no, the serpent, the cunning, whatever this thing is, we'll talk about it in a second. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. But we know God told him that. The woman said, the woman saw. That the tree was good for food. (laughs) I think the devil oversold it. You know what I mean? He should have been like, hey, Eve, you know what kind of pie you could make with this thing? (laughs) And she'd be like, yeah, you know. Uh, But he was like, do you want to know good and evil? She's like, sure. (laughs) I think they'd make a really good pie, you know. (laughs) Anyway, right over her head, but it's okay. She saw that the tree was good for food. Delightful to look at. And that it was desirable, watch this, for obtaining wisdom. She gets that. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. I was sharing this this morning. There's a passage in Timothy, I forgot to write it down, but that that states that Adam was not deceived. But Eve was. How many have read that? Where Paul talks about it in Timothy, he says, Adam not being deceived. Huh? Right. So he knew the decision that he was making, right? I believe that as well. Right? She gave it away. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. But I, I believe that. But, but let's talk about this snake figure first, and then we'll, we'll kind of dive in. So remember, this is a Hebrew uh, given from a Hebrew text. And so one of those translations is, you know, the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of that Hebrew Bible. And this comes from Michael Heiser, but the, and and my pronunciation is is awful, but you'll get the point. So Nahas, we have is, if you use your word study in in your Bible, you'll see that that word snake comes from a Greek word that is snake or serpent. But guess what? There's another word that is very similar, Nahas, literally The same spelling, and you can get this in the program, I pasted it in there. The same spelling of the same word also in their language, watch this, means this. So you tell me which one makes more sense. Nahas also means to divine, give omens, foretell. This is the act by which a person comes upon secret information that cannot be discovered by common means of observation in contrast to the knowledge learned from the source and volition of the divine. This term describes the act by which someone pursues the information in ways contrary to the will of God of Israel, specifically through the use of divination or omens. Same Greek word. One is like divination, in other words, a spiritual being connecting you to a supernatural place. Like for instance, people that go to uh, what what are they called? Uh, huh? Medium. Medium. They are trying to access what? Another world, right? They're trying to access the dead, uh, an omen or divination, right? So the, the Greek word is the same from from the Hebrew translation of snake and a figure that is acting supernaturally. Same, same term. Also, coming from Egyptian culture, their, their animal that represents uh, spiritual beings coming into contact with human beings, guess what it was? A snake. So when they see snake, they're not just thinking that's an animal, a creepy animal, and we don't like snakes. No, it, they're thinking to themselves spiritual being that is connecting them with something deeper, potentially a secret. That's what Eve and every other Jew or Torah-abiding Jew, when they read this, that's what they're thinking and considering. Now, to say that this is Satan, it doesn't say that in the Old Testament, does it? Here's where it says it. Revelation 12, verse nine, John, exiled in the Isle of Patmos, writes this. He says, so the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent, here's that language again, who is called the devil, And Satan, or this Satan figure, that just means Satan or Satan is a better pronunciation. It means the accuser. Someone who is questioning things. Someone who is questioning divine wisdom or an omen, which comes from the same word that's used right there in Genesis, right? So the Satan figure, the devil, Satan, the one who deceives, watch this, the whole world was thrown to the earth and his angels with him. So it's not there in Genesis that we get the connection to Satan, it's John. John says that this Satan serpent figure, we see that and it's a snapshot with the Torah. What John is saying, look, I, I'm understanding now through revelation that what happened in the Garden of Eden was the enemy, was a spiritual being that came into God's temple into a place that he should have never been. And he offered something. Now, my a little bit of what I'm seeing from Timothy and Paul's writing saying Eve was deceived and Adam was not. And here's where this really I get chills when I think about it. The connection in this passage, when we read Romans chapter 5 and the tail end of that passage, what did it say? It said that Adam was a type of who? Adam was a type of Christ. And so Adam, in his situation, he comes in knowing that in God's divine temple, the garden where he was uh, really commissioned to dress and keep, we remember that God created Adam first, but he was not whole. There was another part taken from him, right, uh, that was created, and that was woman. She completed him, and guess what? He what? Loved her. He cared for her and she being beguiled by a spiritual being who John connects to as the enemy. An angel, we know more about this figure. He's what? The angel of what? Light comes to her, deceives her, says that God doesn't, uh, God just doesn't want you to know what he knows, but the ramifications were the same. And so Adam takes and he what? He eats. Think about this. He loves her so much, he says, look, I know that she could be driven out of the garden. I know that she could be removed from God's cosmic temple, and God could create another what? Another wife. But this shows the heart of God's image when he makes a choice to love her. And he makes a choice. Listen, I mean, we literally, in Romans 5.12, we have Adam to blame for original sin, and, I, and maybe, like I said, this is a little bit, of my, little bit of my opinion, but I think it's substantiated with the text, is that he makes the decision to damn the entire human race because of his love for one. And he eats the fruit, and he knows what happens, and they're, they're then at that point separated. And God says, look, I, I have to drive you from the temple, from the cosmic garden. Why? Because the tree of life, you can't live forever in this sinful state. Here's why, because what happens when you sin, it brings forth what? Death. So the end result had to come about. This is why the gospel had to come. This is why Jesus had to come. So when we think and we digest this passage, we understand that Adam, out of love, said, yes, I'll take of that. I'll go. I'll be driven from the garden because I love her. I don't want to be separated from her. I'll endure what I have to endure. Why? Because there was a second Adam. There was a coming one who said, I understand. I love you. For God so loved the world that he what? gave. Like Adam covered himself because of his sin, Jesus became our sin. Jesus covered himself in our sin. He became sin who knew no sin that we might be made what? The righteousness of God. And so what we understand is that Jesus, the coming one, was the second Adam from above. Reinstate us in thy love, like Hark the Herald Angel Sing says, right? And so Jesus comes and he does what only he can do. Why? And this is why it's important to believe in the virgin birth because all that live and from who Adam bear Adam's what sin it's past. So when Jesus is conceived of the Holy ghost in a virgin, he's not conceived in sin. And then when you think about it, Israel stay with me. I know you're like, Oh, theology. It's the good stuff. When, when, When Israel wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, Jesus wandered in the wilderness for 40 days. Tempted and murmuring and complaining. They just wanted something to eat. Jesus goes 40 days, tempted of Satan, and never gives in. Moses goes up in the mountain and receives the Ten Commandments. The first message, Jesus coming out of his 40-day fast, goes up into the mountain and preaches the Sermon on the what? You can trace every step of Christ. He is the new Israel. He is the chosen one. He is the one that goes back and carefully does what mankind was never able to do. Why? Because sin brings what? Death. Everything that you do, if you're son of Adam, if you're born of Adam, everything that you do, the good that you do, it's always going to be tainted with what? Sin. It will abound. But where sin abounded, grace did what? Much more abound. I don't know where I'm at on my so I'm just going to keep going. Hold on. Hold on, okay? Look, church, where grace did abound. Here's the thing. Sin brings what? Come on. Sin brings what? Yeah. That's, do you know that still works? If you're in a marriage relationship and you step out and you sin against your wife, guess what? There's going to bring, that will bring what? Death to that relationship. You don't, think I, you don't think that law works still? Give it a try. Just kidding, don't. Anything in your life that comes to an end, the root of that was sin. And the root of that was who? Adam. Made on a, and this is why I believe in free will. There's a lot of theological systems out there that don't, and I don't subscribe to those. This is why I believe in free will. Adam made a choice that he knew would damn the entire human race. And here's why I think he did it, because he knew God. God is so much better than us. He loves us so much. He knew that there would be a rescue plan. I mean, that's what I think. And so where sin comes in and breeds death, what we have to understand is that when we choose to declare our loyalty to Jesus, the second Adam, they that be in Christ are what, new creations? When we choose rebirth in Christ, the, the equation from Adam is sin equals death. The equation from Jesus is grace equals righteousness. And that's what this, the end of this chapter 5 is teaching. He's saying this. He says, look, when you're born in Adam, you understand your original sin. And this is something that we absolutely, I don't know why, but we fight this in our culture. We make ourselves believe that we're inherently good. But if you just look back at the course of human history, we would see that we're inherently what? Bad. You're amazing. God bless you. You're special. You're a one of a kind. No, you're not. <laughs> Come to church, I'll tell you the truth. You're not special, you're a sinner. And you deserve a devil's hell. Knowingly so. Watch this, but Romans 5.8. But God, but God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, not while we were working our way to being a better person, <laughs> trying to get there, I'm just trying to get up there where Jesus is. <laughs> no, while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, you can choose to declare your loyalty to Jesus. But in that, it's the acceptance of original sin. Here's this, this verse ought to scarify, scarify. <laughs> I just made a word. Is that a word? This verse ought to terrify all of you. And Jesus, <laughs> just making words. Somebody get out the big, add that thing to Wikipedia real quick. He said, many will say, Jesus said this. I, something like, I'm paraphrasing, but many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, I have prophesied in thy name. I've done many wondrous works. And he will say, depart from me, ye that what? Work iniquity, I never Mhm. This is why I don't like religion. This is why I don't like religious systems. Because they give people a false hope about their origin. They think that they can live a good life and do good things and that they'll earn something. Jesus said I don't care what you do good. If you're doing it, it's tainted. We have got to see the difference between who we are in Adam and who we are in Jesus. Because even your good deeds in Adam produce death. And God's grace. Let's think about that word. I think it's charis, the Greek word. But it, I could be wrong, but I, off my memory. I don't know. If I walk back to my outline, we'll be here for another 20 minutes. I'm just going to roll right here. So the, the point is, is God's grace. Grace equals what? Righteousness. Righteousness. Say it with me. Grace equals? Righteousness. The word grace is unmerited favor the very foundation of your justification what we talked about last week go back and listen to the message the foundation of that is that you received something that you don't deserve the foundation of the gospel is you were given something that you should not obtain once once the choice was made from leaving god's presence imagine that babe i would have done the same thing i would have done the same thing <laughs> But once the choice was made to stay with her and leave the garden, it is damnation at that point. You left God's presence, Whew. but God had another plan. And so we have, to, we have to leave this mindset of it being us and make the decision to declare Jesus over our lives. Make the decision to watch, accept God's grace. When we accept God's grace, here's what Paul says. Romans 5. The end verse 19 it says, just as through one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also one man's obedience, Jesus, many will be made righteous. That's that's a I, I wrote this. I think I did somewhere. Righteousness is a gift you receive, church. A position to rest in, a directive to live out. It's not something you work up to. It's something you receive. The doctrine of imputation means that God, when you chose his grace, you received his righteousness. And many of us, watch this, many of us are like carrying it around, like what do I do with this? I, and then because we don't know how to bear the image of God, we, we settle for the su- su- superficiality of just trying to do good things. We settle. It's settling. We settle for, I, I just want people to think I'm a kind person. No. Tell people who you really are. I'm dead in Adam. I'm a sinner. Saved by God's what? That means I get to do whatever God wants me to do. That's how you can actually have contentment in a hard time. That's how you can actually say, I'm only here because of him. And that's why Paul said, I know how to be abased. I know how to bound, both to be full and to be hungry. We don't want to be hungry, though. We don't want to go without. Why? Because we have an image that we want to maintain. And I'm here to let you all off the hook. It's not about your image. It's not about looking good. It's about reflecting how good he is. The second Adam came with grace so that you can live in righteousness. Sorry, plant. Man. Y'all hang on one second. I'm about to kick in a minute. Woo! It's straight. It's not real. Church, look, we gotta get this concept. If not, you run the risk of dying in your sin. Good deeds doesn't do it. Grace equates to God's righteousness. That's next week. Here's the questions that we're going to answer next week. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may multiply? He says, "God forbid." He takes it a step further. What then should we sin because we are under the law and or we're not under the law but we're under the under grace? God forbid. There's a mindset that this goes goes with. I'm gonna explain next week how we do good things and how that plays out, but it doesn't come from a place of your goodness. What's it come from, church? His what? His grace. His grace. I'll read this to you. I put this at the bottom of the program and it's there. Truths to understand and digest. This is, if, if you just walk away with this this week, we're good, okay? Truths to understand and digest for next week. Number one, we are all sinners. You're like, I got that, like in kindergarten. But did you accept it? Do you see the root of that? Well, it was a serpent. and <laughs> No you are officially on the hook. You know more about this story than some weird thing happened in a garden with a snake. Okay? We know a little bit more about the story now. And it's your original sin and it's tethered to Adam. We are all sinners. Number two, death happens because of our inherited sin. I can't tell you how many Christians don't know how to comfort lost people in death. Why does a child get sick? I don't understand. Why are you saying you don't understand? Why do people get cancer? Why are you saying you don't understand why people get cancer? The end result of all sickness is what? Why did death get here? Your sin? We could say no to that. Your sin or whose? Adam's. You were born with this. Do you understand what I'm saying? Therefore, all the bad things that are happening in this world is because of original sin. This was never God's intent. God's intent was us dwelling in his cosmic temple and enjoying a relationship with him, but that was severed. If you, look, sin, we are sinners. Sin brings what? Death. We all will experience death in this life. The horrible tragedies that happen in this world are not because God is mean and judges everyone. It's because man did what? It's because man sinned, okay? It's because man what? Sin equals what? Okay, okay. You should be able to answer that question for folks from the Bible. God is no respecter of persons. The law of sin and of death reigns in our bodies no matter what. But he has cared for. Thanks be to God. Listen to this scripture. I'll leave you with this. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 28. Man, this gets me going on a Holy Ghost fit. You ready for it? I'm going to go for another 20 minutes. Just kidding. Just kidding. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead. Watch this. The first fruits who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. Jesus. And just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ will all be made alive. Are y'all listening to this? But each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, Afterwards at his coming, those who belong to Christ... Then then comes the end. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, when he abolishes all rule and all authority and power. Those are the bad guys. For he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished is death. There it is. For God has put everything under his feet. Now Now when it says everything is put under him, it's obvious that he who puts everything under him is the exception. When everything is subject to Christ. Then the Son Himself will also be subject to the one who subjected everything to Him, so that God may be all in all. Jesus wins. When, when we celebrate Easter, He defeated the enemy of what? Death. Why does that happen? I understand, it's tough. I was confronted with death. I'll tell the story uh, in the coming days. But just speaking with Pastor Ray and, and you know, really just fellowshipping with him in these last moments. None of us like death. None of us want the effects of that. But that's not the end. Because his grace means righteousness. Righteousness is not just good works. It's, the op- it's, it's not the opposite, but it is a status. It is your coming into my kingdom. You are saved from death, hell, and the grave. You've declared your loyalty to the one who holds the keys to death. hmm hmm <laughs> The only thing, the only thing that we can display that is good is Jesus' righteousness. This is, I'm back to those truths. Sorry, that was a tangent. I'm gonna say this again. The only thing good that we can display is Jesus' what? Well. If we believe all of that about original sin, then what happens good on this side of heaven is all who? We struggle with that, don't we? Come on now, be real. Y'all look like, I'm in there somewhere. <laughs> no. Nope. Number four, grace is more powerful than your sin. Where sin abound, grace did what? Much more abound. So what does that mean? It means... If you're sitting here today and you're like, I just can't, I keep running back to that sin. I know sin means death, and Adam must have gave me a double portion of that junk. Anybody ever feel that way? I, I feel the weight and the burden of my sin, but let me explain something to you. God's grace is double the portion of Adam's sin. Oh, my goodness. What does that mean? It means that if you're sitting here today and you're feeling the weight of your sin nature, you don't have to. Just like you chose to follow Jesus, you can choose to reflect his righteousness and walk away from your sin. I promise you the death that you experience in your sin, it's not worth it. You wanna be critical, you wanna run your mouth, you wanna step out of your marriage, you wanna yell at the kids. I'm just trying to think of stuff. You wanna lie, you wanna cheat, you wanna steal. Those are good ones. You wanna speed, just kidding, that doesn't count. <laughs> Look, the end result is death and you're, you're losing your ability to image Jesus. You're the weekend at Bernie's walking around with your old self. Mm-hmm. Righteousness is a gift you receive, a position you rest in, and a directive to live out. Thank you for watching and joining us for Our Church Online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week and God bless.